This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 8th, episode 1929. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, and welcome back to the Endurance episode. We have Karen Chatton back with us every second Tuesday of the month. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Uh, Karen just got back from a ride, so she's tired, and uh, she's doping up on <laughs> coffee here this morning. So she's a little wired. She's a little wired. <laughs> a little. <laughs> you know, considering your West Coast time, it's like 6 in the morning. I mean, it's... Uh, Keeps me in, you know, ready to get up and go do those endurance rides. That's right. Up early. Yeah, because yes. you all know that you guys just roll out of bed at nine or ten, and then leave about eleven on your endurance rides. Right. <laughs> get back sure at three do. or four in the afternoon. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> but we are talking endurance today, like we have for a very long time here on Horses in the Morning. I wanted to remind everybody before we get started, we've never pushed for this, and and uh, in all the ten years we've been doing these shows, we've never really pushed for this, but. It it is important, and it does count toward our rankings and iTunes and Google. So if you have never rated the shows you listen to on the Horse Radio Network, uh, you can rate our shows in iTunes. If you listen through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, there's a way to rate in there. If you listen through Google Play, there's a way to rate in there. I'm actually going to create a page on Horse Radio Network that shows you how to do that if you have never done it before, but we just ask that you go rate our shows. Be honest, you know, if you like them, uh, please, you obviously like it or you wouldn't be listening, right? So uh, go rate them, make some comments uh, in iTunes or in Google Play, and it really does help our rankings and how we rank. Uh, and it's going to help in the future even more as Google puts more emphasis on podcasts and Apple is putting more emphasis on podcasts. Those ratings and rankings are really going to help in the future. And I know there's shows that have hundreds of ratings that have a lot less listeners than ours, and it's because we've never pushed it. So over the next couple of weeks, we're really going to mention it a lot just just, uh, and hope that you go do that. It really does matter. It's free. It's easy to do. But um, it would help us out a bunch doing that. Also, I uh, wanted to mention one other thing. We have our auditor room. If you're not an auditor, you should be. We have a lot of endurance writers in there. Uh, this is a private room, Facebook room, that uh, our listeners hang out in, our super fans, we call them. And you can do that by donating as little as a dollar a month toward the Horse Radio Network, towards operations here. And that gets you access to the auditor room. You can find those details at horsesinthemorning.com. There's an auditor banner on the right side of the page. And 
And we never mentioned this at the beginning of the show, and I want to do this a little different this month. And we always mention at the very end of the show that Karen has an unbelievable website with tons of information, like years worth of information. So let's give a plug for that real quick. I do. My web um, blog address actually is karenchatton.com. And I am going to be doing a, a full in-depth ride report from the Cash Creek ride with some photos um, because I really had such a terrific time. I, you know, I kind of have slacked off writing because I've covered so many topics over the years. But sometimes you go and you do a really special ride and you just want to share all the things you learned and your experience and so I will be um, updating it soon. So check it out. Yeah, but there's so much evergreen content on there. You've done so much content on there about tips and tricks and the whole yes. thing. So lots yeah. and stuff, years and years worth. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you wrote it four years ago; it's still relevant. <laughs> it's still- exactly, especially like the stuff with the heat training. I try to link to the scientific, you know, pub- published research that backs up some of the stuff that I'm doing. You know, because I'm really kind of a geek in that way. So I like to have you know, that information provided as well so that people can go and do more research and, you know, make sure that they're confident in, you know, what it is they're going to be trying to do with their endurance horses. So there's a lot of that stuff in there. The only reason that Karen's been hosting this show for four or five years is because we found her blog. <laughs> That's how we got a hold of you in the first place to be a guest on the show like eight or nine years ago. And yes. uh, it was because of the blog. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the reason cool. that Karen's yeah. here in the first place. So we, I wanted to plug it. We don't do that enough at the beginning Thank of the you. show. So there's a plug for KarenChatton.com. All right, Jennifer, what is coming up on today's show? Coming up on this month's endurance episode, we're going to get organized. And then we're going to play a little bit of there's an app for that. And I'll go a little bit bonkers because it's really cool. And then after that, it's going to be a free for all because the Staley family, yes, the entire family. Is going to stop All by and talk about their treasure chest full. <laughs> yeah, there's like nine. Yeah. <laughs> their treasure chest full of Tevis buckles. And then at the finish, Diane Stevens is going to talk about conditioning programs so that you can finish with a happy horse. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Very good. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, uh, you were out on a ride over the weekend. And is this the ride where we have the family coming on? Yes, okay. it is. Okay, and cool. and it's, it's one of the most... Uh, I think popular rides in probably the entire state of California or the West region, um, other than maybe Tevis, which of course, uh, Chuck Stolle, the father is the ride director of as well. So uh, this is a tough, challenging ride. It drew around 200 entries, which is a pretty large ride for a 25 and a 50. Um, But it just shows you that, that many people wouldn't come to a ride if it wasn't well managed. Right, yeah, and wow. so it's it's really well managed. Do they have traffic it, lights or what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but gosh, yes, with that many people, there were over 100 horses on the 50. We have three out vet checks at three different locations. And they had seven vets. And somehow, I'm not really sure how they, it's got to be a juggling act. But we go from, you know, one vet check to the next to the next. And then... There's the final vet check at the finish, but then they've also got the 25-mile ride, which has their own vet checks, and then the ride and tie, uh, and 
somehow I managed to go through all these vet checks on the 50, never had any long lines or long waits. Everything just ran smoothly. And wow. so that was really, you know, pretty cool how they do that. And do they do they a staggered start? Is that how they do it? With that many horses? Uh, the 50 started at 5.30, and then I believe the 25 started But everybody started, started at, at once. They don't do a later. staggered start in groups? Uh, no, no, no staggered starts. We all we did start sort of single file on a with a controlled start for the first you know mile or two on a single track trail, and then once we get past the creek crossing and start heading up, then the trail is open and everybody can go at whatever speed that they want to go. So it's at. not all the like all the FEI endurance races I've seen where everybody starts like it's a uh, quarter mile race. Not no. not so much, no. <laughs> what was really nice is it was a calm start. All the horses around me were walking, and they were calm, and it was very relaxing. They put glow bars out because at 5.30 it was still dark, and uh, it, it was a really nice way to start out. we're going down out. a runway. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, I've been on rides where it's a wide open road and people just take off and then your horse's head basically explodes. Yes, because <laughs> Cause he's going along. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, uh, so how did this one go for you? I, well, Chief didn't get to go, right? Get to go the we you know, we had been trying to do a little bit of heat training um, and he ended up with this knotted muscle on his hindquarters, which was really strange. So I had to scratch him from the ride, unfortunately. And so I ended up riding Bo and um, I will have to check when we get the stallies on to find out exactly where I finished because I really don't even know. I know I was somewhere probably in the 20s range out of 100. We finished um, just after 2.30, which was really kind of nice. It was very warm. Someone said it got up to 87 degrees, Ooh. and we did have some pretty good humidity um, most of the day. So, uh, you know, with the heat index, it gets it, it was getting up there pretty good. Um, of course, that's why they, they're smart enough to start us so early. So that and this we is can, on a horse that just turned 20. Just turned 20 this weekend. Yay. Happy birthday, Bo. And <laughs> That's an Arabian not, for you. Just going to keep going. <laughs> gosh, yes. And not only that, but this ride put him, he's now over 9,800 and some miles. So we're now only within about four more rides of him getting to 10,000, which is kind of my big goal for him this year. Now, do you so. have any youngsters up in training? Horses, I mean, not kids. Yeah, just Bo. He's the young one. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean is, do you think about that? I mean, is it time to bring another one on? Time yet? You figure Bo just turned twenty. Chief's twenty three. It's time. It's probably his time for you years ago, there, Karen. Oh, but I, I can't really commit to another horse when I'm still riding these two, because <laughs> then I feel like these two would get neglected, and they're just so enjoyable to ride because now you know they're kind of. Well broke, I guess you could <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, they're not now. They're never going to be. Yes, I can ride them anywhere. You know, do anything with them. I feel safe on them. Confident. They're both still going well. Um, this this um, muscle injury that Chief got. It's like the first injury he's had in his career, and he's twenty three. So um, this makes you I, an unusual horse girl. That uh, just to be honest, because most horse girls I know are looking for excuses to collect horses. Oh, okay. See, now, no, anybody I'm, else would be would have talked to their husband and said, "Okay, I need two more. These are getting older," and then they would have four. 
<laughs> I know. I'm enjoying these two, though. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we're, we're having a good time with them and enjoying their, you know, golden years, I guess you could say. Uh, so I called the vet. I came home Sunday from the ride. It was, you know, probably a five-hour drive. Uh, and then Monday morning, I called my vet clinic at 8 o'clock yesterday. And I said, I want to get an appointment with the one vet, the most experienced vet, right? Um and they're like, well, can you be here at nine? And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, because I'm not moving quite as fast as on a normal day. <laughs> so but yes, I went through the horse in the trailer and I was at the vet clinic before nine o'clock. And uh, it's about a 40, 45 minute drive. And um, we got our appointment, got him ultrasounded, the vet um, diagnosed that it was a minor injury and he thinks it should take about three weeks and that he'll be fine. I just have to um, walk him, massage him, put some surpass on it for a week and he should be good to go. It's not anything serious. So oh, we're very happy about that. And, um, but Chief did get to go to the ride with me and hang out and eat all weekend and he, you know, he kind of enjoyed he that. He laughed at the other horses when they went out and was like, ah, ha, ha. I no, faked this injury head, so I didn't have to go. He had his head down in the hay. I don't <laughs> think he even noticed the horses were leaving. <laughs> it's like, oh, I faked it. You're all out of here. I'm still here eating. <laughs> I know. He's got his priorities. But, you know, the heat training, it didn't quite go as he planned with Chief, but it did work with Bo because he came into the vet checks. And, and when the vets checked him, even at the finish, his pulse was down to 42. What which does I was heat training mean? What exactly do you do? Is you help to acclimate their system so that they can handle. Are you doing uh, sets or what are you doing to heat train? Um, That's what I well, mean. normally what I'm doing is I'm working them with a sheet on normally, hopefully when it's warm, but not, you know, too terrible. Of course, we haven't had any warm temperatures. That's why we were doing the heat training because we're over here. I'm over here on this side of the Sierras with about 50 degrees, breezy conditions. And then I knew I was going to go to a ride where it could possibly be up in the high 90s. Uh, with so humidity. you're riding with a sheet on and, uh, while you're while you're doing your rides then? Your training exactly. rides. Try, okay. Yes, trying to build up a, a nice sweat. And by about the third ride, you can start to see an improvement in the horse's recoveries. And, you know, their veins start to rise to the surface <laughs> and become quicker at recovering, better at, you know, the heat dissipation and cooling and stuff like that. And um, it's something I usually have done, especially with Bo when we go um, to Tevis, which he's completed five times out of five um so i take the training seriously to make sure he's as prepared as we can possibly be to make it as easy on him as i can and and so the little bit i don't think we got to do a lot of heat training but the little bit that we did do i think um did help him because he was recovering well he wasn't tending to carry a lot of heat with him which can happen when it's humid um the heat just you know, their core temperature just heats up. And so I was very, very pleased with um, so how your, the ride went forward. Your normal training between rides, let's take Bo, your normal training between rides, what will you do? How many days a week will you ride? How long will you ride? Well, typically I have my junior that comes and rides with me. She's 11 and she usually rides Bo and I ride Chief. And we, we kind of mix it up. We tend to do, sometimes we'll do a short ride, like six or seven miles. More often, we're more in the 12 to 19 mile range. Um, like 
in the two weeks leading up to this ride, we had done one ride that was 24 miles. I think one that was 17. Um, Do you ride them every day, every other day? or Every second or third day, okay. usually. And will um, you, you stagger know, a longer ride with a shorter ride? Yes, okay. usually. And then sometimes we'll do a ride where we go out and it might be shorter, 10 miles or less, but we're moving out more. So it's a little bit faster ride. And then if we do a longer ride, sometimes, um, you know, we pack lunch, we, you know, bring a baggie of food for the horses and stop at a creek and let them graze and, and have a break, kind of almost like a vet check. And um the other thing that we often do, especially with the junior, because she's young and she's learning, is we try to do our, um, I'll have her trot the horses out so that everybody's in practice with the, you know, just um, being ready to do that and knowing the procedures and, and that sort of thing. The horses are, um, you know, they they know the routine, they know the drill. And and so she's learning and, and the horses are staying, you know, just basically in the groove um, with what their job is. And so um, we, yeah, we uh, definitely, the horses are um, pretty well conditioned this year because we have been getting to ride consistently all year. Very good. Well, you are listening to the endurance episode here in Horses in the Morning. And there's something really cool that Karen showed us this morning and we were like flipping out over. So uh, <laughs> tell us about that while Jennifer gets our first guest on. Well, well, I learned about this um, this app from my husband, who's a long-distance bike rider, and I was watching him show me some of his rides that he does. His rides are generally always like 30 miles or longer, um, and it, I thought it was really cool. So I got it on my phone, and it's called the Relive, Relive app, and um, you can find it in the you know Google um, store or um, iTunes and the website is relive.cc for the address and you connect it to your Strava your Indomondo or your Garmin connect <clears throat> and then it um, reads your you know your tracks from your ride and then it shows it to you on a 3D map it is the coolest thing. It, we were looking at her ride over the weekend, and it sh it does show. It's this little line that goes on the 3D map, and it's so cool because you can see the elevation gains. You can see where you're in the valleys. But it was, and then you can take pictures, right? Tell us about that. It was so cool. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, it's the free version. It only allows you to do like ten photos, and. Um, but it will show you as you go through the course of the 3D map. It'll pop up the picture right where you took it on the trail. And so that's really pretty that's so kind of great fun. for trail riders, cool. long distance riders, or whoever, right? I mean, yes, it's a great way to share with your friends and your family where you where you went. I can see which, why your husband hikers could use it, bikers could use it. I could see why your husband, with the being a biker, would use it. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm thinking about it for our Finding Florida show where we do travel adventures. We're in a car, but still, we we stop at all these places. We could take pictures at all the places and then have the interactive map. That'd be cool. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's, Very cool. It's Look at you cool. coming up with cool tech stuff. <laughs> I know. You're going to use this every time now, aren't you? Um, probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty neat. <laughs> you should. Uh, you know, and So give the website again. It's, it's um, relive.cc. .cc. And you just, you just download the app, and it, it works right with your... Um, yes, you have to tell it to connect to Indomondo or Strava. So you need one of those apps or Garmin Connect. Okay. 
And there's cool. a, probably a couple of others. I mean, there were several, but uh, the Strava and Indomondo are the ones that my husband and I use. And so that's, we just connected them together. And then it does take up to two hours for it to create your video. Well, it took you two, eight hours to ride it. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now it's but not yes, real time, people. You don't have to watch it over over eight hours. It, it speeds no, it up no, a bit, no. Know? It just speeds it right along, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can see. And it's neat because it shows you the three D map imagery of the you know, just like I just showed um, Glenn and Jennifer my backyard where I ride, and it so even has the town the- in there with the houses. It's cool. That's cool. Uh-huh, in the mountains, and yeah. you can see where everything is in relation to, you know, where I started out and came back. It's, and, yeah. And this one showed the vet checks, too, right? I I believe on the, um, I didn't get the whole course, though, because I was sticking my phone down in my saddlebag so that it wouldn't get uh, lost. Yeah. Uh, so, so I kept GPS hearing, you know, picking. GPS signal loss. Yeah. Like, as you saw on the one, it showed it took me f- over four hours to go six miles. But that wasn't right because it was showing me all the way to the one vet check, which I know was like 12. So it wasn't completely accurate because it wasn't getting the signal clear. Probably if you um, kept it on your waist or something, it would be. Yes, yeah. or in a shirt pocket. Yeah. But, you know, these darn smartphones have gotten bigger than the pockets right. on the shirts. That's the <laughs> right. problem. We, always st- we started with smartphones because they were small. Uh, and <laughs> now we're back to them being the size of tablets again. Practically tablets. As a matter of fact, yes. I have one that that's only medium size, and I'm like, this is too small. I need a bigger phone. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, speaking of uh, heat and cooling and things. We're going to go to our first guest. Um, good morning, Kristen. Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are you? Good. Do- Kristen is from Distance Depot. She's here once a month with us, talking about all kinds of cool products. And literally, this month, we're going to talk about staying cool. <laughs> so, Kristen, tell us about some of your products. I led you right into that one. I gave you that one. Cool. Yes, Glenn is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he is. <laughs> okay, well, we do. We have quite a few cooling products. Um, specifically, we have some products by a company called Equa Cooldown, and they have um, horse products for cooling as well as for humans. Um and I think Karen, you have used their products. I used, and yes, I used them this testify. weekend. <laughs> I did. They do work, yeah. I, and I've used my heat gun, temperature gun, to measure the difference. And there's yeah. like a ten degree or more difference when you use these on your horse or yourself. The cooling towels right. are all nice. And yeah, the cooling towels are really nice. Just to put around your neck and. Um, this material, for those that don't know about it, is a unique cooling product. It doesn't need refrigeration. Um, the material is actually um, has a the fabric has a plant extract that's infused into the multifiber weave. So once the water is absorbed by the fabric, then um, the it retains the moisture and makes it cold. So it's pretty easy: wet, ring, and wave. Um, and that just uh, keeps it cool, and it's, of course, reusable. So if it heats back up, you dunk it again, wring it out, and wave it, and it's ready to go. So p- some pretty cool technology to have, and they're compactable, um, so they're not big and thick. They're really lightweight, um, so really easy to bring along to a vet check or for your crew to deal with. And they so do work in... Nice. They do work in humidity. These were developed in Florida, right? 
where there's Correct. humidity. And I used them at the ride this weekend. And even with the humidity, they still did help with cooling the horse. So that's a plus. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then moving on from there, of course, we have um, <clears throat> cooling vests for the rider. We have cooling sleeves, which the cooling sleeves are nice because for those that are concerned about um, protection from the sun, you wear the sleeves and um, sweat acts as a refrigerant. So the more you move, the cooler you stay. Um, so those are really nice. Plus, of course, it blocks the rays from the sun, so you aren't getting sunburned and staying cool at the same time. It's kind of a funny concept. People see you with sleeves on and think, well, aren't you hot with those on? <laughs> but they're actually cooling you. So, it's yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, but we have hats and carrots has a whole line. Um, most of the riders are familiar with carrots, but they have tank tops and hats um, and, of course, their ice fill tight. And, and all of these are made with their ice fill technology. So, again, just keeping the rider cool. Um, so pretty cool stuff out there for sure. <clears throat> yes, I see you've got the cooling neckties. We do, yep. We have cooling neckties by that Techniche company. They also make those cooling vests, and they have a, um, a cooling sport cap, too. So if you're out in the crew area, the, the sport cap is nice, or it's really nice, too. I use them, um, that particular hat when I take my helmet off. Um, when I have helmet hair and I'm all sweaty, I can stick that um, damp cap on, and it keeps me cool, so... Lots of good things. There's body glide also and anti-monkey butt powder, <laughs> keeping <laughs> you cool and chafe-free in the saddle. <laughs> yes, from those heat rashes. <laughs> exactly, yes. It works really well. Well, Kristen, so, if somebody was interested in ordering any of these fabulous products, how would they get in touch with you? They can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349, or visit our website, thedistancedepot.com. Hey, I want to put a plug in, too. We don't mention this enough. Talk a little bit about your, your custom tack, because you're pretty quick at making custom tack and getting it shipped out to people. And we've gotten stuff from you in the past, but that's not something that a lot of, uh, that a lot of ordinary tack places do. So talk about that a little. Okay. Um, we manufacture tack, um, bridles, reins, breast collars, and all the accessories you need, um, you know, martingales and so many other things. Um, but essentially, it's all made out of beta-biothane. And for those that aren't familiar with it, it's a fabulous product that's comfortable for the horse. You dunk it in a bucket. It's easy to care for, just a little soap and water. Some people even put it in the dishwasher. I washed mine last night in the washing machine. <laughs> really? Um, so, yeah, I put it in the washing machine. I had a bunch of towels and stuff that I had to do, so I feel like it doesn't really mess up my washing machine too bad. Clank, clank, clank. Clank, clank, yeah, a little bit in there, but, you know. it's Don't put it in the dryer. Back and forth, so it's not bad. You could no, use don't a, put it in the dryer. <laughs> you, could use a, you can use a pillowcase for the stuff with the metal hardware. Well, that's a good idea. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. That's a good um, idea. But it's just easy to care for, really comfortable for the horse. And these horses are sweaty and, you know, we're riding through mud and muck and they're hairy. And so I come back and you dunk it in a bucket and hang it up ready to go. And, yes, we have one of the fastest turnarounds for custom tech. Hey, Jennifer, I never thought about so, putting my beta harness in the washing machine. In the washing machine. You better not. <laughs> 
<laughs> I could just put it in the washing but, machine. Yeah. Never thought yeah. about that. It's great stuff. Very good. Well, and you can find that also at distancedepot.com. And there's actually Absolutely. a link right on the homepage that talks about custom tech. And the other thing is you have a very quick turnaround of time on that. We do, yeah. We, we really do have one of the fastest turnarounds in, in the industry, and that's our niche um, besides its top quality. Um, and we do a really nice job, and we can custom size it to your horse if it's hard to fit. So um, let us know if you need any help. There are a ton of options and colors, so um, we're always here here to and happy to help. Jennifer just said, Jennifer just said, I can't wash my saddle pads in the washing machine, but you can wash your harness. So oh, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I get in trouble for that, I think. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kristen. We well, really thanks, appreciate Chris- it. Thanks, Kristen. DistanceDepot.com. DistanceDepot.com. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, now, Jennifer is working, going to work on uh, getting all of the entire Staley family together on the show here. <laughs> she's going to take some calls. <laughs> so while she's doing that, you had a tip that you want to talk about. Just a, Yes, just a little bit of a tip as far as being... Uh, planning out what you're going to, when you're going on a ride, whether it's an endurance ride or even a trail ride, is to kind of plan out where you're going to put everything that you're going to carry with you when you go. And um, there was like one thing I kind of goofed up with on the Cache Creek ride this weekend. You know, we're out of camp all day. So when you leave camp, unless it's sent in your crew bag to the vet check, you better make sure you have everything you're going to need all day long with you on yourself or on your horse. So you need to kind of plan ahead, make sure you put everything where you're going to be able to access it easy. Well, the thing I messed up is I put my sunglasses in my jacket pocket. Well, guess what? Within a half hour into the ride, I was taking my jacket off, attaching it to my saddle. Mm. And then later I wanted to pull out my sunglasses and now they are somewhere tied onto my saddle in my jacket pocket, which made it difficult to get to. So I'm thinking, well, that was dumb, Karen. I could have put them in my shirt pocket and then I could have just pulled them right out and they would have been there. So, uh, you know, give a little bit of thought and planning ahead. What are you going to need as you go that you want to be able to reach and access easy? You know, are you going to need the ibuprofen after a couple hours? And do you really need to be digging through the bottom of your saddle pack? Or do you want to just maybe reach in a pocket and grab it and have it handy? Same for any of the other stuff. You want to have, you know, your ride map handy where you can get to it. Um, you know, in my case, I had my hands full of horse. He was, you know, when you're on a ride with that many horses, you, you kind of need to be, you know, holding on to the horse, which I was. And so I didn't have, I wasn't able to just dig through stuff to find things. So I was thinking, yeah, I need to maybe mention this as a tip to um, help people get a little bit better organized and learn how to place things that they're going to need to access the most in a way that they can get to it easy and quickly. And the, um, so what, what do you have attached to your saddle when you head out on a long ride? Um, usually I have at least one water bottle or two. I have a small little first aid kit. I've got a hoof pick that clips onto the side of my saddle. That way, if I need it or someone else needs it, it just, I can just unclip it and hand it to them or have it really easy to get to. I've got some, um, like rubber bungee that I use on the pommel that I use 
like when I take my jacket off and I just shove it underneath the two rubber bungees and it holds this um, the jacket secure. I've got let me let me see what else a, a small roll of toilet paper or Kleenex, uh, you know, some goo or snacks, some usually electrolyte capsules for me, um, and. Also, especially on the rides with the out vet checks and stuff, I always try to carry a baggie with some horse feed in it. So if I am in a vet line for very long, I can pull that out and be feeding the horse while we're waiting. And I have a question actually here from Jess who wants to know what saddle does Karen use? Um, I use two main saddles. One, I use the, the Pandora carbon fiber saddle, mainly on Chief. And then my junior uh, has decided she's more comfortable in the Bob Marshall sports saddle, which is what I've mostly used. And the saddle that she rides in on bow is very old. I used it on my very first um, endurance horse. And so that saddle's probably got altogether 50, 60, 70,000 miles on it. And, uh, you know, it's very, very comfortable and it, I've used that on multiple horses and it it's always worked really well. So I use both. It just, you know, it just depends. The Pandora is really nice because it's so lightweight when you're pulling tack, especially at outfit checks, that's uh, a nice benefit versus the, the other one, which is much heavier. We had the Pandora people on there from Australia, right? Right. Yeah, yes. we had them on the show. A couple of years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's so many more saddle options being made for endurance now than ever has been in the past. There are. There are. It's and, all of a sudden, um, okay, endurance became popular. Now we can make saddles for them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. All right. We have a couple of the Staley family on. So it looks like we can, at this point, we can talk to Chuck and Pam. Oh, great. Well, good morning, you guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Karen. Well, Thank you. Good morning. well c- congratulations on your 10th successful Cash Creek ride. Well, thanks very much. You guys did an awesome job. So let's start. Okay, Pam, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your ride history yourself and how you got involved in endurance. I was born a horse fanatic, I guess. And um, my dad was in the military, so I had to wait till I was a senior in high school to get my first horse. And Meanie. I, did. I bought a, a Mustang. And, uh-huh. um, and uh, Chuck and I were at the same high school at Sonoma Valley High School when the very first ride and tie went from uh, St. Helena um, down to Sonoma up here in the north state of California. And um, so he kind of got in that, and he was a cross-country and track runner and said, clearly the horse is the major factor in this ride and tie, so we better learn this sport. So we started endurance riding at, at 18 years old. And so we grew up with the sport, and it was our life and our health, and our outside, and our activity, and um, so I have 9,000 miles of endurance now, and um, 11 Tevis buckles, and we married 13 years when we decided to have children, and so we had Jennifer and Alyssa, and um, everybody said, well, what if they don't want to ride horses, and I said, well, (laughs) they're going to be very bored, because we are endurance riders, and so now they're grown women with great husbands and they continue to ride. And now that we're at the kind of the other end, we're, we're helping them along training horses when we can, but 
you know, a little less long distance, but uh, still loving to ride. And what year did you start riding endurance? That would be 1971. <laughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> let's go to Chuck. Uh, tell us a little about your riding history and how you got started in endurance. Well, it was similar. Um, we did the ride and tie in Sonoma, and uh, I had a horse for a couple of uh, months before the race, and and uh, we used this old horse for the ride and, and enjoyed it so much that uh, Pam and I decided both to have a horse and, and, and go for work together. And so I did um, 27 years of the national championship ride and tie competitively. Did some 50 miles, 100 mile rides, three Tevis buckles, um, a couple of buckles on the big 100. Um, and then we had some uh, uh, foreigners join us actually and, and ride, and that was kind of fun. Um, we had uh, several, three people from France that have finished the Tevis with our horses. And that got me interested a little bit in the international aspect and actually took Team Mexico to uh, Dubai. Uh, in 98 for the world championships and had a, our horse was the first horse to finish for Mexico in an international competition. Wow. Um, these days, well, these, these days I'm, I'm the ride director for the Tebas cup. And I think that's been about six or seven years. And, and uh, that keeps me pretty busy and actually cuts into my saddle time. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> what year did you start doing endurance? Uh, same time, 71. Oh, okay. Wow. And and all the years you've been riding or managing rides, what are, you know, give me an idea of maybe one or two of kind of the craziest things you've ever seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, yeah, let really me take not. that for a sec, because uh, we, we lived in Chico for quite a long time, and uh, good friends of ours, Bob and Joyce Paget and Chuck and I started the Goodwill Classic in the 80s before before the girls were born. And um, so that was crazy because we had used a lot of private property and it was a very kind of moving target, like who owns it this year and are they going to care? And and we had a great ride in Chico, but we did it about, what, three or four years? I'm not sure. It didn't go very long before we got kind of four tired years. of the sheriff, sheriff running us down. And um, so when Jennifer graduated from Wellesley College and came home, they told her, don't go straight into law school or or, you know, medicine or whatever, just take some time and figure out who you are because you had nine, eight years of just rigor. And Jen sat home and said, I think I want to make an endurance ride up at Cash Creek where we train the horses. And Jen <laughs> said, no, you don't. <laughs> and um, he goes, it's a thankless job. You, people will complain about limp lettuce on the salad and no, no toilet paper in the, in, the, in the potties. And, you know, it's just, no, you don't want to do it. And I looked at Chuck and I said, she's grown woman. She can do pretty much what she wants. So maybe we should get in front of this parade and help it move along. And so that was the birth of the Cash Creek ride. And actually, they took, they took it a little further faster than we thought it would go. Because they got their, Jennifer and Alyssa got them little cells over to BLM in Ukiah, which is like a two-hour drive from our house, and met with BLM. And they did the pitch and they got help and support and they said well we don't know what the heck that is but it sounds like you can do it and um so that was the beginning of um you know ride management for the fam from a family perspective and so it it seemed to have been a good model for us we work pretty well together 
Wow. And we have Jennifer now with us. Jennifer, are you there? Good morning. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. You did a great job this weekend. I was so impressed Mm -hmm. with how well the ride went. Uh, Do you have anything else to add uh, um, to your mom's story about how the ride got started? (laughs) Well, I was 21 at the time. My sister was 18. And we were supposed to be riding together one weekend in the fall. But instead of riding, because we had extreme north winds all weekend and it was not going to be a nice ride, um, we sat around in the house. And with that little bit of extra time, we dreamt up the Cash Creek Ridge Ride. And we got organized. We set a meeting with the BLM Ukiah office. And we drove our 1990 Honda with no airbags all the way over the mountain. <laughs> three hours to meet with BLM, but we knew we were not necessarily going to be trusted right off the bat being 21 and 18 and asking for such a crazy ask when they probably had no idea what an endurance ride was. Um, So we thought we would start by at least looking the part and we organized the business plan. We figured out what we needed to know in order to proceed. We wore our polo shirts from the world championships and from the Tevis cup. And we wore our Tevis and Virginia city buckles and we said, well, give this a shot. And we're going to look as organized and prepared and professional as we can. And we had to sit down at the table with 10 BLM Rangers, all looking down at us. Like who are you people and what are you asking us? (laughs) And then um, finally one guy kind of broke the tension and, He said, I ride out there all the time with my daughter, and this sounds amazing, and we would love to come ride it ourselves. I had no idea something like this existed. And from there, we got um, some giant maps because we didn't even really know where to go out there. We always did the same 10-mile loop, and we got the permit uh, paper information, and we took all that home and started getting organized. And my parents looked at each other when we got back to the house and said, I think there's going to be a parade. We better get in the front. (laughs) <laughs> so I just remember from that first year uh, laying these giant like four foot by four foot maps out on the living room floor and thinking through every little piece of trail with my dad and trying to put together the 38 miles of trail into a 50 mile ride that made the most sense would be the least complicated. The riders were least likely to get lost, but we, we have a lot of miles between us and we knew what we would want to ride. And so we knew we wanted to get to the biggest hill as soon as possible at the start to take a little of the spunk out of the horses. And we knew by the last loop, they'd be pretty done with the hills. So that one's all pretty much downhill into the finish. And being riders, we were able to lay out what's hopefully the best layout of that 38 miles for the 50 miler. Right. And you did a great job. I mean, you certainly didn't take the easy route by having all the vet checks in camp. You chose to put them all out. So why did you do that? Well, as riders ourselves, we we like coming into camp because it's a lot easier to crew yourself. But at the same time, we do this sport because we like to go somewhere and see something. Uh And it's so much more interesting to have an out vet check. And I know it can be kind of hard to get your horse to leave camp once he's done 20 or 30 miles and a little more of the excitement is out of air. Um, So we just thought that would be the best experience for the riders overall. And so let me ask you the same question I had asked your parents. What's one of the kind of craziest things you've 
seen or experienced while doing this? Hmm. <laughs> I think I, we, we have a lot of miles. We've got a lot of stories between us and I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know it would be the craziest thing anymore. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have very uh, low expectations for that uh, these days, but I would say back to some of our first Cash Creek rides, we did not have the radio support. Um, and we don't have any cell phone service out at Cash Creek. And so we were really careful to organize everything in advance. It was a huge time and motion study to understand when the first horse would be in, when the last horse would be in, when the bulk of the horses would be in. So we knew we had everything covered with enough volunteers at any point. Um, so we, we over-prepared for that, but what I hadn't thought about was if someone gets seriously hurt, how do we help them and how do we know that that had happened? So the first, the first couple of years, we were pretty lucky in that we didn't have anything major. And I had reached out to some ham radio groups in the area and didn't have much luck getting any traction. Um, but by the, after the second year, we realized this was a huge need and we really needed to take this more seriously. And we finally got in touch with the YOLO um, Aries amateur ham radio group. And um, Rick Littlefield organizes all of those ham radio guys. He brought them out. And it felt like as soon as we had the ham radio people, we had really crazy stuff happening at the ride. <laughs> and I was really glad that we had the ham radio Good. people who could just pick up the phone and Cal Fire or MO Hospital in Chico is life lighting, sending a life light helicopter. Um, they can pick up the phone and talk to UC Davis right away and let them know that we have a sick course in transport coming down and this is the situation. And it just takes so much pressure off of us to know that we have them there if something does happen. So mm-hmm. I would just lump all of those the events um, into one. And thank goodness we have the Yolo Aries there to help us communicate. It's been a, a huge help. Uh, and and to big, piggyback on that, to piggyback on that, when we did talk to Rick the first time ago, and we have these great shirts, and you, we, we, you know, we want to get you guys shirts to thank you, and they go, no, every event we do, they give us a shirt. We, we don't want any shirts. But my younger daughter, Alyssa, is pretty good little graphic designer, and they love, they saw the shirts in there. Well, uh, you know, the next year, everybody wanted a shirt. <laughs> gorgeous, you know, two horses with an oak tree, and it was really, so, you know, that was like, we never take shirts. Oh, well, we'll take that one. <laughs> it was <laughs> good. So, Pam, tell us a little more about the some of the other volunteers that you guys had at, at the ride this year. Like, I know you had Cal Fire and um, quite a few others. Right. Well, you know, we get a huge – we are so centrally located for the North State. I think that's one of our keys to our big numbers. We're, we're literally the largest ride in the country right now. We – we started 107 horses on the 50 on Saturday, 94 25 milers on the on Saturday's 25, and then Sunday we had about 65 horses on the trail, 40 50s, and about um, 25 uh, 25s. So you know we were dealing with applications getting near 300 with um, the processing the pre-ride um, list, and um, so we're we we, we call ourselves a full service all frills ride. We just had a personal bias that it used to be a whole lot more for your money back in the day, and we wanted to try to get back to that. So we serve catered sandwiches from Grenzella's Deli and Williams. Oh, if they're so good. Williams is, 
Yeah. And if they know where Williams is, it's because of Grand Salas because it's right on I-5. And then they cater our banquet on Saturday, and they come out. And we're a dry camp. We're no, no electricity, and they, they put on a, an, an amazing dinner. And then um, so we've got that handled. So we have Bar Ale Feeds donating feeds to the vet check. So they have four major products um, that the horses just really seem to click with when they're racing and out under stress. Um, and so we've got Boreal Feeds and we've got almost all of the major, and Jen would know this much better because she coordinates the sponsors, but Easy Boot, Easy Care, um, Auburn Labs with their vitamins that are just amazing, uh, you know, um, power formulas for horses. Um, and, um, and then we get a lot of ride managers who come over and we get some people from UC Davis, the question um, club and we get Carrington College has a vet tech program and we usually get a few from there to do, help with PNRs. Um, sometimes we're lucky enough to get CHP officers from the equestrian mounted unit in the Sacramento area. They do the capital, um, the Sacramento Capital Patrol. They have mounted horses there around uh, downtown Sacramento and they love it because they're always trying to get more, you know, experience around horses and uh, learning because they're basically police officers who are writers and um, I'm not anybody else thinking of anything as far as our, our uh, volunteer crews, our whole, yep. our whole contingent of family friends is always out there. My lifelong friends are just saving my neck every time I turn around and Stacey Catalano, whose dad is John McCullough, who has 24 Tevis buckles. Stacey has 10 herself and she comes down from Reno um, and uh, just great people who just love the sport and being an, amateur activity you know there's no real money in it and so it's the love of the horses and the people that keeps us going what there's right. no money in horses Mom, are you kidding <laughs> <laughs> and there's no and, money in horses right. and, and for those that didn't might not know the cash creek ride is in california in the west region it's northwest of sacramento and we are talking to the ride management family the stallies we have the mom, Pam, the dad, Chuck, and we have uh, Jennifer, the daughter, and Alyssa, I think, um, Alyssa sleeping in, in this morning. Yeah, she, she we weren't able to get her on the line. Yeah, she was tired. She, was <laughs> <laughs> she actually rode the 50 on Sunday, so she's still recovering. Yeah, um, she's... <laughs> we'll her a break. You she know, said, we'll as her... three of you, you can handle it. I'm in bed. So. <laughs> okay, so Lisa, let's start back with Chuck. Chuck, tell us a little bit about your duties on ride during this ride what what are you you responsible for well one of the unique things about the cash creek ride is that it's a no motorized vehicle area that's managed almost like a wilderness area it, it backs up to the cash creek wilderness and so um it, it has limited access uh um you have to go in by horseback or foot normally we're allowed to go in by permit with some four wheelers and uh ADVs during the ride um, so if somebody broke their saddle and just needed help or assistance, or they actually got hurt or we had a loose horse or something, it would be a job because there's only maybe six to 10 people back there and the radio folks. And so we've got some key intersections that we, we, um, lay out and cover with either a radio person or a volunteer, um, who can get on the radio and help out. So we've had somebody get off to put their easy boot back on and their horse ran off and it took us till 
eight o'clock at night to find them. Um, uh, but, but being back there is, is I think a vital part of the ride. And the other part of it is there's some huge ponds back in the, in the foothills. Um, for the, it used to be a cattle ranch for about a hundred years. And, um, and we can access the water out of the ponds and actually put them in troughs up at the intersections. And so I, I try to coordinate that whole group inside the ranch and I'm on the radio and I'm listening to what's going on in the bed check. And we know how many horses are coming and what kind of problems they're having. Um, and, and that, that's my aspect of it. Um, a little less stressful than being in the vet checks, I'm sure, but I think it's equally important. I got a question. So how many volunteers and staff will it take? does it take to put a ride on like this that has so many riders? And that Jennifer or, or, um, or I, uh, Pam? Anybody? Jen? Chuck, I think yeah, my guess I would be to yeah, all 30 <laughs> Chuck, go ahead. <laughs> It, it takes all the friends you have. <laughs> Do you have and less and less friends every year, ever. Chuck? Uh, are there less and less friends every year? Yeah, they yeah. keep disappearing, and you're wondering why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, then what's your we, actually, we, we have some new friends because of it, too. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I Jennifer? Think I, you know, it, yeah, go, Jen. I think it takes 10 good endurance riders who are super experienced and can do any job, or it takes 60 that's a mixed match of 12-year-old boys who <laughs> want to get into endurance and are learning, plus about five really experienced endurance riders who could do anything, plus our family. <laughs> <laughs> plus your family. I, I honestly, I, yeah, that's I honestly what we think we've had... 40 to 60 people supporting this ride. I would think. If and you throw in the radio guys, yeah. Yeah, and the veterinarians. How many veterinarians do you have, Pam? This year we had seven. I mean, that's a lot of vets we to have, round have, up. <laughs> yeah, we had three Tavis vets. Mike Perales, Rob Lydon, Jamie Kerr, and uh, uh, Leroy Burnham, who has a clinic 30 miles from here, who we use a lot for our um, daily, you know, our but, regular ranch stuff for us. And then Noel Muller, who's from Galt, who's the most amazing lameness vet uh, and a very good personal friend. And um, Melinda Newton from the Yuba City area. And we had Ann Williams for the first time this year out of Auburn. She had mentored under Karen Haston, who's a well-known Tevis vet. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and Ann just did a fabulous job. But we have a climate of, it's hard work riding an endurance ride and putting it on. So we're having fun. So we have a complement of vets who have the exact same um, outlook on the experience. And as Jen often says, any attempt at humor and levity is always welcome because we, we don't want to come out here and make people yell. We don't yell at people. We don't get upset with people. We have a good time at the Cash Creek Ride, and that's our total focus the whole weekend. It really does, Karen. It feels like we are hosting a giant party for all of our best friends. And I, I struggle to explain what this weekend means to me to people who have no concept of what endurance is. I say some mishmash of a family reunion slash family and friends barbecue potluck thing slash you've been to a marathon before, kind of like that, but with horses. Uh I just don't think that fully captures exactly what it is. I feel so fulfilled and so happy and so rewarded today waking up knowing that 
so many people had such a great time with their horses. And we think of our endurance horses as part of our family. And I'm sure you feel the same way about Bow and Chief. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand the connection. So when I run the award ceremony and I see people who did their first ride or their first 50 or it was their horse's first 50. Um, there was one rider there this weekend, Marlo Dahl from Minden, Nevada, who right. did her first mm-hmm. ride this weekend. And it was her horse's first ride. And I mentioned it at the award ceremony and she just completely full waterworks because she's been for years. And I completely knew what that meant. And having competed in this sport since I was seven years old, I'm really glad that we are able to put on a first class event like we do and provide the opportunity for all of those memories for all of those people and those horses. And thankfully this year, knock on wood, nobody was seriously injured. None of the horses were seriously hurt. You know, everybody went home happy, safe and sound. And so I'm, I'm happy that we could make that happen. Yes, you guys were fantastic. And that's a great note to wrap on. And let's just mention your website address. It's cashcreekridgeride.com. And Cash Creek is spelled C-A-C-H-E. And it's all one word, Cash Creek Ridge Ride, for those that would like to get more information. And um, when, do, when do you expect to get the results posted? <laughs> Karen wants to know. <laughs> yes, I don't even know where I she finished. She doesn't know where she's finished. She wants to know. That's okay. <laughs> they, they should probably be up today. We, we oh. rotated jobs this week because people um, wanted to try new things. So Alyssa's husband, Nick, volunteered to do the results this year instead of my husband, Colin. And so he's got those on his laptop. And he's working a full-time job like the rest of us. Um oh. So he was working on them last night, and so I'm thinking probably sometime today. Okay. Well, so, terrific. And well, Sharon, if you give me one second, I will get it up on the screen, and I will tell you where you finished. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Hey, now, wait a minute. Wasn't and she Sharon, the one that slept in, so it's her husband? Uh, it'll be next week, Karen. Um, so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. See what happens and when you sleep in here. One yeah. of the things I learned from ride managing was that Karen, I've, go ahead. I'm sorry, Karen. You were Karen. You were 21st out of 107 riders. Wow! Yay! yay. Good for you. <laughs> On that, we're going to end. Yeah, <laughs> so thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Each one of you, very much for joining us. It's CashCreekRidgeRide.com is where you can find, and it's beautiful pictures on there too. If you want to check out what the ride was like, you'll find it there. So thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. So there was a whole lot of people on at once there, which makes it somewhat confusing sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I think we, we juggled it well. Uh, yes. so, so do you want to go to a song, or what do you want to do here? Um, I'm fine. If okay, you, your uh, next guest is ready then. Oh, oh okay. Well, welcome, Diane. Uh, Diane Stevens is a West region now writer. I know she's written in several other regions and she's very successful at what she does. She also makes crazy legs tights, which many of you have seen um, my pictures going over Cougar Rock wearing Diane's tights. Um, And so I'm looking forward to talking to Diane this morning. Welcome. Are you there? I'm here. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm doing great. I'm just wa- walking off uh, the Cash Creek Ridge ride. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ride both days or just one? I, I just rode on Saturday and then I crewed on Sunday. Hey, how did it go Saturday? It went great. Um, my horse Titan was first, and my husband and his horse were second. So, yeah, oh, wait a minute. I mean, you beat your husband? How does that go at home? <laughs> Who was sleeping I, on the couch? That's um, what I want to know. Well, it's uh, let's just say it's the negotiation. So, you know, ride, ride to ride, and then we negotiate on the trail. And, you know, it's like a two lawyers <laughs> Now, do you really try right. to beat each well, other, or is, it, is there a competition, or is it like... Uh, well, let's just say we're both Leos. Okay, so you do. You pretty much are. are. <laughs> we're both, yeah, we're both um, competitive. So, you know, I have my own strategies. Like I say, I'm your mentor. I got you into this sport. Uh, you know, it's close to Mother's Day. It's close to my birthday. Um, you know, but usually we go with, you know, who got the win last time? Right. It's, uh, That's a it's, tough. There's, it's always a negotiation. Always. I so. bet. <laughs> Yep. Oh gosh. But well, one of the things uh, I really wanted to talk to you about a little bit is your conditioning and training. I know you're always posting some really great videos of you guys doing your conditioning rides. And I know as a successful, you know, long-term front runner rider that it takes a bit of planning and effort. It people don't always realize that or understand how much work is involved. So um can you tell us a little bit about your conditioning plans and schedules? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I, I feel like it does take definite effort and, you know, dedication to get out there. I mean, you can't just, you know, I love my, what I call my walk and talks with friends, um, you know, to get out there and just meander along, but you know, a long time ago, I've got some good advice from several, you know, very competitive riders. And that was, you know, you have to train harder than you're going to compete, you know, because we don't go out there and train and do 50 miles. So, um, you know, I feel like horses are, you know, they're excellent athletes. They're very strong, but you know, even if they, they can go out and maybe, you know, be competitive and not just ride for placement, I personally feel it's not fair to the horse. I mean, that you need to do the work, you know, pay now or pay later, I mm-hmm. always kind of say. So, you know, we do, you know, people message me all the time and say, geez, it seems like you're doing a lot of galloping out there. Like, you know, I've been riding my horse for five years and I've never cantered on the trail, but, you know, I like to use all the gates and, you know, in the beginning I didn't do a lot of cantering because I was, you know, bringing my main horse along, but if you're going to canter, you know, at the ride, um, you know, you've got to do the cantering at home and, you know, feed and supplementing is a big part of it, but, you know, for us, it's, you have to kind of break it down to each individual horse because every horse is going to have its own strengths, you know, and weaknesses. And you have to really stay 
diligent and, you know, look at your horse before you go out. When you come back, you know, from your training ride, look at them the next day. Is there any heat? Is there any swelling? Are they back sore? I mean, you know, I like to really try to stay on top of things so there's no surprises at the ride. You know, all of a sudden you have a weird, you know, rub or the back is sore. Um, You know, I just try to get all the kinks worked out. Um, As you know, you can get away with stuff for a 50, but, you know, a 100 is another monster, you know, like, wait a minute, this works for 50. <laughs> Why do right. I have a rub here? Right. Or a but, one day ride you know, versus uh, multi days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for our main horses, you know, I think people probably think, you know, um, we're out there, you know, six days a week galloping, galloping, but, you know, we do our work you know, before the ride and with our seasoned horses, you know, as you know, you have some very seasoned, strong horses, you know, they do build a foundation and, you know, our horses get time off in the winter, usually like Thanksgiving is, you know, the last ride we'll do. And then they get a couple months, you know, just to Mm -hmm. roam around and be horses. If we get some good weather, we might throw them in the equine 360 exerciser and they might do some some walking but you know it's hit or miss in the winter and then we just make a plan usually 20 mule is our first ride back which is kind of funny because it is 100 so we like to you know do the 100 when it's available so you know you have to look at the weather and get out you know whenever you can two years ago when we had the super wet winter, you know, people were like, well, how did you get ready for a hundred? You know, it rained every day. And, you know, we rode in indoors, you know, a lot, which we hate doing, but, you know, it's just what we had to do that year to get our horse, you know, fit enough to be able to go a hundred, let alone, you know, try to be competitive. And, you know, we don't head out to a ride thinking, well, we're going to win this ride, um, or even we're going to try to win this ride. We just, you know, know where our horses are at fitness wise and say, you know, we're going to go out and have the best day that we can have. And then it really depends on who else is riding. You know, I have a good friend that always jokes with me and says, well, what do I, you know, what do I need to do to beat you, you know, <laughs> as a ride? And I said, you know, um, just be crazy and, you know, like, kind of uh, ride carelessly. That's how you should beat us because I'm not, you're not going to see me galloping downhill on rock. You know, I'm I'm very careful with my horses and really try to ride the the trail, you know, move out when we can and um, take care and, you know, be cautious like you do, um, you know, when the footing is not good and every day is, you know, different with, with each horse, you know, you, you know, if they feel strong, you know, if it's like, Oh, I don't know if he's not feeling quite right today. You know, he's not drinking as soon as he normally does, but you know, our main horses we've been, well, I've been on Titan since he was four competing on him since he was eight. So I think he's in his eighth season. You know, I, I know him really well. You know, I know if it's, going to be a good day or if I should just, you know, mosey along most days for tightener. Okay. So let's just take the, 
Let's take the ride you just did, Cash Creek, and tell us yeah. a little bit. What did you do the week leading up to the ride? And now that the ride is over, how much time off are you going to give? Um, so the week before the ride, all our horses are doing is walking. So about two weeks out um, before the ride, well, exactly two weeks out, we actually trailered over to Cash Creek. And we did the big climb that we do in the morning. We went, you know, from, actually, we went from uh, Judge Davis, the third vet check, um, out and did the big climb that we do in the morning and all the way down into the first um, gate and go and then back. So two weeks out is our, you know, last tough ride. Uh, And that ride was, we did 20 miles that day, which that's on the high side you know, of what we'll do two weeks out. And then it's just about, you know, feeding, you know, you know, making sure that they're getting salt and um, they always get a little bit of uh, alfalfa in their diet daily. So a week out, you know, we're kind of at our real tapered back um, time frame. So they're just, you know, raising in the yard going in the machine, you know, just walking and, you know, we're just kind of looking, you know, are they at the weight we want them to be? Are they eating, drinking well, feeling good, you know, have that, you know, I guess you call it a bloom. And, uh, when, once we get to the ride, get camp set up, we saddle them up, take them out, get a sweat on them. I feel like that's important, you know, just three or five miles, just get the muscles, you know, moving and loose from the trailer ride. And one thing that I see that I'm, you know, my husband said I'm kind of neurotic about at the ride is ride morning. We're on our horse horses 30 minutes before the start. I see very few people out there when we're warming up really, you know, doing what I consider a true you know, warm up, up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get on them, we're walking them for like 10 minutes, you know, in the saddle. And then we find a place that's, you know, safe and we're trotting, you know, because Cash Creek, you know, controlled start. But even with that, you know, horses can get very tight, you know, just the energy in the air, being in a group, you know, being if you have a horse that's kind of edgy and forward, you know, being forced to walk out, I feel like, you know, you can avoid a lot of problems doing, you know, a good warm up. I was mm-hmm. years ago by a vet, you know, he said, you need to be on your horse 30, 45 minutes, you know, ahead of time. So I try to stick by that and I feel like it's worked for us. So um, I get cranky in the morning if I feel like we're <laughs> behind schedule, like, let's go, let's go five minutes to be in the saddle. So, you know, everybody has their their thing, but I think a, a good warm-up is, you know, something that, you know, a lot of people are missing. You know, as far as we had talked about earlier, kind of if you want to become more competitive, you know, I think you need to, you know, get out of the walk and talk zone uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, a little more with friends and kind of think about it. You know, like you would yourself if you were, you know, training to do, say, a marathon, which I never plan on doing. But um, (laughs) you have to keep, you know, these animals are are athletes and you have to keep kind of 
upping your game. If you always go out and do the, the same five or, you know, 10 mile loop at the same speed, your horse is only going to get, you know, that fit. You have to increase your distance. You know, once you increase your distance, increase your speed, you know, do a shorter ride, but faster, you know, Mm -hmm. do some cantering, do some trotting, do some, you know, more of like an interval training and, you know, you will see a difference, you know, find a big hill, you know, a bigger hill that, you know, maybe you have to drive an hour to find it, but go find that big hill and, you know, go, go up it at a good pace and then look at your horse's heart rate and see how long it takes them, you know, to recover, you know, so that's important, you know, and rest is very important, you know, I know people, right, right. Like and so, riding seven yes, days a week, you know, right. And so speaking of rest, now that the ride, this mm-hmm. ride is over, how much time will your horses be getting as a break? They'll, they'll get like a week off where, you know, we don't get on them. We just, you know, brush them, you know, keeping an eye on their legs, you know, change, tweaking anything with the, their feet, you know, trimming them, whatever they need. And then, you know, two, two, when you're hit the two week mark, we put them in the machine, they'll start walking. Um, you know, if, you know, we'll put them on a circle, trot them out every day, you know, everything looks a hundred percent. Then after the two week mark, we'll saddle up and just go out for, you know, probably a six, five to six mile trail ride. And then just start to kind of build back up from there. And, you know, typically we know when our next ride is going to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. are you planning on Tevis this year? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the plan. The so plan. what's the, what's so. the plan? Like how soon before Tevis will be your final ride before Tevis? Our final, you know, ride as far as, you know, endurance ride will be wild west so june 16th um which i think will be fit in really nice this year seeing as tevis is you know the 28th of july um and i i like that ride because it's kind of a variation of footing you have a little elevation there can be warm um you have some road you know so it's a a nice test you know, the, the legs get a little bit of a pounding on, on the road, but not too much. I'm, I'm pretty careful about, I don't like rides, you know, with bad footing. So, but you know, they need to be tested because Tevis is not fluff, but um, that'll be our last ride. And then if any, everything looks good, you know, same thing, they get some rest after it, you know, we treat tweak their feed if necessary, see how their weight is. You know, we like to go into Tevis at a solid five body score. Mm -hmm. And then we pretty much will just train on our own, you know, lots of hill work. We'll go back out to Cache Creek when it's like 110 degrees and um, do the heat training (laughs) roast ride. Yeah. Do some heat (laughs) training. Uh, The long, as you, you know, saw yourself at Cache Creek, it's a great place to train, you know, if you can get out there because it does get really hot and there's some nice long poles and, you know, good footing. You're not beating the heck out right. of your horse's right. legs and feet out there. So, no, it, you know, same thing stay, two weeks prior. Does it, 
Does it stay kind of humid out there all year? No, no. Okay. It, it's not typically humid out there. I think it was humid the other day just because of the overcast. You know, the sun was uh-huh. there, but it was overcast. Typically, it's just a okay. roaster. Because you know, you're talking to someone from Nevada. We're not used to any mm-hmm. humidity, so it doesn't take yeah. much, and we wilt, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it felt humid to me. I mean, it was, you know, not not typical, you know, not terribly humid, but definitely more humid than typical for there. Okay, well, let's uh, mention let's ride. let's mention Crazy Legs tights. Uh, okay. How did you get to start making custom tights for people? How did that come about? Well, you know, I always kind of made my own kite, but I had a, another online business um, at the time doing personalized baby blankets for 12 years. And so then when we, just before we moved to San Diego in 2010, I decided, you know, maybe I'm, you know, need to kind of wean off of the the baby blanket thing and I sold the domain name and uh, my girlfriend was like, you know, I think you need to start, you know, making more tights and maybe you should do, you know, have a website and do the tights. So uh, made some for, you know, more friends and just kind of played around with making some new patterns and stuff. And then that was that I started buying hordes and hordes of spandex fabric in every color and the name came from my husband's always called me crazy legs Uh I don't know why (laughs) but um so when I was looking for you know what's this business name gonna be you know and my husband's like well you know your nickname's crazy legs and the fabric that you know you're using is kind of crazy so has to be crazy legs tight so it is yes how it happened and you know it's a labor of love my husband thinks I'm insane because you know we have all these young horses we're riding and bringing up and trying to keep our main guys going and I'm you know you know the the internet when it comes to businesses is kind of like the old UPS commercial of like oh oh, there's one order two orders three orders Uh you know 50 (laughs) orders you can't really control it so it's either you know feast or famine usually feast most of the time but um you know I'm kind of a high energy person so right I make it work most of the time other times I just send uh letters of apology (laughs) I love your tights they're They're coming they're coming I know and the website is crazylegstights.com dot com no don't give that out that's the last thing she wants (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> she's got horses good. to train, Karen. She can't be it. at the sewing machine. Jeez. Yeah, I I love doing it, and um, it's I get my fix. I, I've always sewn. You know, my mom was a sewer and made my skating dresses and stuff go, growing up. So it's uh, I have to have fabric in my life, and you know, I love the fun colors the and coming up with new yes. ideas or uh-huh. yeah. So, great job. My husband's well, a great test subject. He is. He's a great sport there. <laughs> well, thank you, Diane, yeah, for exactly. joining us this morning. And I'm sure we'll be talking later. So, and uh, good Absolutely. luck to both of you. You too. We'll see you there, I hope. All right. Thanks, thanks. Diane. Okay, bye. All right. Have a great 
And you are a great representative of that brand because all those pictures <laughs> over over uh, Cougar Rock are you and her tights. So crazy tights, yes. Right. She, <laughs> yeah, she makes them to your measurements too, which is nice because you know we endurance riders come in all different shapes and sizes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Just like everybody like our else. Horses. All right, a couple of things before we run out of time here. A couple of upcoming events you wanted to talk about. Um, well, let's see. What have we got here? Let me scroll down here to the schedule. Yes, there is a, a two-day clinic for people that want to learn all about endurance riding that is in Santa Clara County, California, put on by Nick Warhol, June 2nd and 3rd. Uh, you can uh, come and camp overnight. Uh, you're going to get to simulate a real live endurance ride. And you've got a lot of really experienced people there that... Um, that are going to help guide you and teach you about everything you need to know in order to do an endurance ride. So check that out. You can also check out upcoming endurance rides at the AERC.org uh, website and um, look at the ride calendar and find all sorts of stuff. You had uh, a note in here about people who ride Missouri Foxtrotters, too. Yes, the Missouri Fox Trotter Association, it's called the MFTHBA, is going to be <laughs> giving to away. That. <laughs> yeah, I forget that. We'll be giving away endurance and limited distance awards to the top five for each beginning in this 2018 ride season. So if you ride a Missouri Fox Trotter, then you need to go and uh, sign up for this. And you can find more information on that again at the AERC.org website. Uh, just look on the left-hand column and it's listed there. That's really cool. I, I'm always glad when the breeds do things for specific disciplines too. That, yes, yes. This is something new too. So do you see them is, out there? You see the tr fox trotters out there? No, I, I'm i not smart enough to know the difference between oh, all the different <laughs> horses. Between one um, gated I, horse and another? I know if it's gated though. I mean, yeah, there's a gated horse. There is a gated <laughs> horse. There's a trotting horse. I, you know, I, I can usually tell the, you know, <laughs> They all, a lot park. of them do look alike. I'll give you that. But, give you that. but yes, once you know you're, they're going down the trail, then um, and you're usually just seeing their butts or from a long distance anyway. So. A little bit of both. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> so or so, looking um, back and seeing their heads. There's more and more riding gated horses these days. So now next month we have a special episode, and this was thanks to Jennifer's uh, pushing, right? That, that we're exactly. doing this. We are going to be uh, talking with Patty Stedman. I've invited her back again. She um, has been the chair of the AERC Education Committee, and she also teaches. She's done clinics and training. She has online courses you can take to learn about endurance riding. And we're going to walk people through the entire process from start to finish for those that are new to endurance of what to expect, you know, the the process of, you know, getting to the ride, setting up camp, checking in, vetting in, then, you know, going through the ride and how everything works as far as the timers and the vetting and that sort of thing. And so we're going to walk people through that. And hopefully then next time when Jennifer goes to a ride, she's going to look like a pro, like she's been doing this her whole life. Well, the one thing that all the pros <laughs> use, like Karen, is Renegade. Yes, we've got to mention Renegade hoof boots. Uh, they're American-made 
product. They come in several different colors for those that want to match their tack. Um, I rode with Renegades at the ride this weekend on the front feet, and I went bare on the hinds because, as we mentioned, the footing was really good. Um, the boots do work um, really well in all different conditions. The Cash Creek ride, of course, is a little harder on boots than most rides are, so uh, Renegade has an option for that. They've got glue-on boots that you can use, um, so you don't have to worry about, you know, the boots coming off. You can glue them, you know, glue on their glue-on shells and use those. Most of the time, I prefer the strap-on boots, which have worked perfectly for me for many, many thousands of miles. The vet asked me, how many miles have you done in those boots? And I had to think about it because on Bo, he's done almost his entire career using renegades, mostly strap-on boots. We've even done Tevis in them and other hundreds and plenty of multi-days. Um, so I really like the product. They're easy. The boots are easy to use. And I've even trained all of the juniors I've ridden with how to put them on and take them off. And they're actually quite easy. If they're hard to put on, then they're probably too small. So you uh, want to uh, talk to the factory about that. They're really good about helping people fit the boots. Um, so just uh, to get more information, go to renegadehoofboots.com. And, uh, you know, even if you're, you don't have to be an endurance rider, use Renegade either. Trail riders use them. Anybody who just doesn't want to, that needs to go out in the trail or go out in surfaces and they don't want to have shoes on, the Renegades it's, are perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Because keeping a horse barefoot, there's a lot of benefits to that. Right. And Renegades helps give you that freedom and ability to, you know, go in that direction if that's what you, you know, want to do. I know a lot of uh, carriage drivers use them too. So, they're, yeah, they're really good for pavement. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Well, we thank Renegade for their continued support of our show. So look for next month, the second Tuesday of next month, we'll be talking about Beginners 101. What happens <laughs> from start to finish? Because Jennifer went and she was a little confused by, about a lot of things. Um, the terminology, you know, the, the initials and the abbreviations and the for everything. And, you know. Too many acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> Too many acronyms. <laughs> She's a little lost. Whew. Even where the start box was, because she was expecting a you know an eventing start box. You know, so it was a, a, <laughs> it's little, a di little different. No boxes. There were no boxes. There were no. Well, you know, there was an area cordoned off ten by ten sections to start your horse. Right. Well, uh, we'll make sure Jennifer that you know what EDPP means. Do you know that one? E eating, e drinking. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. See? <laughs> Too many acronyms. Right, you need to do a whole, you need to do the top 10 acronyms uh, of endurance next week, too. We do. Yeah, yes. make that list and make that part of this beginner's episode, all right? Uh -huh. The top 10 acronyms that everybody needs sure. to know. Yes. Well, <laughs> you need a shirt. Hard. Yeah, that would be a good shirt, too. Um, well, very good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Karen, so much. KarenChatton.com is where you can find Karen. If you want to go back and listen to past episodes on Horses in the Morning, just go to HorsesInTheMorning.com. Scroll down the middle of the page, and you'll see a little, you'll see a row of little banners there, and one of them's for endurance, and that'll bring up all the past episodes that Karen's done, which will take you hours to listen to. So, <laughs> but there's a lot of good information in all of those episodes, and we also thank Distance Depot at DistanceDepot.com. 
Uh, you can uh, find all the Horse Radio Network shows on our app. Uh, just go to iPhone or Android, search for Horse Radio Network. It's simple and easy to download. If you listen on our app, please go rate and review it on iPhone or on Android. We appreciate that, too. Uh, we're looking at adding some things to the app here soon, so that's, that's going to be cool. Um, and uh, that's it for this week. Thank you so much, Karen. Have a good ride, everyone. And we'll see y'all tomorrow morning. Jamie will be back, and she is excited because she got the test results from her Mustangs on their DNA. And she's going to be making that announcement on the show tomorrow, all about what they are and uh, who they are and where they They came from. (laughs) Yeah, so all of that's going to be happening uh, tomorrow. So look look for that then. And I am frantically trying to kill time looking for my my uh, closing music, but iTunes updated and I can't find it. So there you go. Here we go. I found it. Thanks, iTunes. Right in the middle of the show, iTunes decided to update. <laughs> of course.